Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller, and welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. This program's all about agriculture in our state, in particular here in the east. On today's program, Jeff Turner and I will review the USDA crop forecast numbers that came out midday Friday. And we'll get up with Vic Swinson, who's one of the largest peanut producers in North Carolina. Eastern Carolina Farming is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Jeff Turner is the COO of Murphy Family Ventures, decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Ag, and my co-host. Welcome, Mr. Turner. Hey, Dan. Good Monday to you. I hope you had a good weekend. I did. We are getting a little rain, a little nice weather, but uh, nowhere's near freezing. So folks are thinking maybe get something in the ground pretty soon. As you said, did you travel by that uh, stand of corn? I have not seen that corn since the frost, but uh, I should ask the question, but I haven't done that. The USDA prospective planting numbers came out middle of the day on Friday. Let me rattle a few off to you, and we can kind of get uh, uh, your, your reaction. Corn planted for all purposes in 2023, estimated to be about 92 million acres. That's up about 4% from 2022. Compared with last year, planted acreage expected to be unchanged or up in 40 of the 48 states. I glanced through the numbers, and, and you know, I, it looks like we found some land. And we did in North Carolina too, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how that happens, but it appears that there's going to be more planted acres this year, at least intended this year than has been for the last couple of years. And, uh, not only in North Carolina, but that's yeah. nationally. Well, North Carolina, we've timbered off a pretty good amount of land. If somebody's done a little bulldozer, we, <laughs> we, I, evidently they have. I, I thought all of the acreage was utilized, but obviously it wasn't. Soybeans planted in 2023 estimated to be up slightly from the prior year. I think that's probably the biggest number that we could see a pivot on late. It's very possible. You know, again, it's about the window and it's about input cost. I, I think it's, you know, how far can I get with what I've got? And then I may have to pivot. Upland cotton area estimated to be about 11.1 million acres. That's down 18% from 2022. Largest <laughs> state with a down is uh, Texas, which has got their own drought issues. In our unofficial eastern North Carolina poll, uh, I was texting with a few folks, and, and the answer is, is that they're going to be cutting cotton acres back probably 30% from where they were last year. The price of cotton is in the 80s right now, low to mid-80s a year ago. I think we hit $154 back in May of last year. So almost half as, I mean, that was kind of the peak. It, it was only a day or two, but then came back. But, but in any event, obviously the, the price has fallen dramatically from where we were last year this time. Raw numbers, 960,000 acres in corn in 2021. That dropped to 830,000 acres in 2022, as we saw input costs skyrocket. In 2023, we're back to that same number, 960,000 acres that we had from two years ago. Yeah, that's good. I, again, that's the sign of the times whenever you, uh, the input cost last year was just tremendous. It's hard to make it pencil, but, uh, a little better shape uh, for 23, it appears. In North Carolina from 2021, we had 1,650,000 acres in soybeans. We uptick last year about 50,000 acres. We're going <laughs> to, we're actually going to uptick a, a little bit more, about a 3% increase to 1,750,000 acres in soybeans in the state. Yeah, that's some of that cotton land going to beans, probably. Yep. Cotton, we talked about, but drilling down to North Carolina, 
Uh, back in 2021, 375,000 acres of cotton. Last year, 470,000 acres in cotton. This year expected to see, according to the USDA, 100,000 less acres in cotton, 77% of what the prior year. The biggest cure for high prices of a commodity is high prices. <laughs> when the prices are good, you, you run into it and you plant, and then you've got too much, and that takes care of that high price. It, it pushes it back down. Cotton, is it not, is one that is probably more tied to retail sentiment than any of the others. you got to have the grains, but, <laughs> but you don't have to have the, the, the new pair of blue jeans. As far as peanuts are concerned, and this is actually a good question for our guest on today's program, but North Carolina in 2021 did 115,000 acres of peanuts, and 22, 117,000, and in 2023 projected to do 130,000 acres in peanuts. It's all about the money. <laughs> Let's face it. You know, it's a good crop. I think we're going to learn a lot when we speak with Vic Swenson here in a few moments. Uh, I think he's going to tell us quite a bit about what's going on in, in the, the peanut industry and, and the fact that uh, prices are pretty good right now. Indeed. And coming up in a moment, we'll talk to Vic Swenson. That's next on Eastern Carolina Farming. This is Eastern Carolina Farming at Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Jeff Turner and I welcome Vic Swinson, a peanut farmer from Botancus, North Carolina. That's a stone's throw south of Mount Olive for those not in the know. They say the best place to start is at the very beginning, so how did you get started in farming? I guess it's kind of like Hank Williams Jr. is a family tradition. I used to, I used to grow cotton. I used to grow tobacco. I don't grow either of those anymore. Uh, I'm just basically uh, corn and peanuts now. Do you grow strawberries? And I used to. I've done some all of it in the past, but I'm weeding down to just two crops. Years ago, most, I guess, all peanuts in North Carolina were grown in the Northeast because there was it was there was a peanut allotment back in the day. Is that correct? That is correct. The only exception to that that I know of in our area was in Sampson County. Jart Hudson and his family had some uh, peanut allotment back in those days, also. Your connection to peanuts goes back to Martin County anyway, doesn't it? It does. My mom's from Martin County, and I had an uncle that farmed up in Everett, North Carolina. I would go visit with him, and I went up there one, one year and helped him harvest some peanuts, and, and uh, well, that was a dirty job, but, but I loved it. But you thought peanuts were going to be a lot easier than cotton. We, uh... Planted cotton years ago because we just couldn't make corn. The corn varieties have changed a lot over the years. In the early 90s, when we started planting cotton, we did really well with it for a period there. And then we, we jumped out and we, we built a cotton gin, uh, Tri-County Cotton Gin. Uh, several several farmers around here, and myself included, you know, once you owe a lot of money, you kind of got to support things to, to get it done. <laughs> So I planted cotton for several years till we got it paid for, and I was gradually moving into corn a little bit more. And corn's such an easy crop to grow if you just get the weather. The varieties have changed quite a bit. Quite a bit, quite a bit. When I was growing up, if you made 85 bushels of corn to the acre, you <laughs> had done a pretty good job. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but the varieties just weren't there, and you know, and all things have changed. And having a peanut business as well. Now, you, you grow the Virginia-type peanuts. I, I like the Virginia peanut. I have some land that I it's a little bit heavier-natured. I like to grow runner peanuts on. 
it will tolerate a little bit more than uh, a Virginia will. So I saw the name Golden or Golden Grove used in a lot of parts of your operation. Where where did that come from? My son Lee came up with that name Golden Grove. He said that's what um, Keenansville used to be called years ago was was Golden Grove, and that's where, that's where he got that name from. Hey, Duplin County historian <laughs> Jeff, can can you verify that? I'm not much of a historian. Google is an amazing thing. The uh, little community of Golden Grove was settled in 1735 by North Ireland and Swiss Germans from Switzerland. Where was it? In what is called present-day Keenansville, which was laid out in 1818 and named for James Keenan. So there you go. Well, give your son mm-hmm. Lee a gold star. Well, so, he's the one that came up with it. You're still growing some corn, and you're rotating the corn and the peanuts together. How what, how does that work out? We grew around 4,000 acres of corn, and we grew around 2,000 acres of peanuts. And by those having those numbers like that, I can have so many peanuts every year, I do a three-year rotation. E- everything I do, I try to maximize. We put out some litter when we can get it, and we put out... Um, fertilizer, but I soil sample my land every year. If I use litter, I sample that litter because I know what I'm putting out and I, I want to know how many pounds of nitrogen I'm getting out of this litter and uh, everything about it. Is the setup for peanuts a great deal different than setting the soil up for a corn? No, sir. I used to plant 30-inch corn and 38-inch peanuts, but I got tired of changing tractor tires and uh, putting a planter in the shelter when I couldn't do anything. So I moved all my stuff to 36-inch rows. And uh, I use the same better, same planters. I mean, it's, that has worked out a lot better for me. You know, back in the day, they'd say that lazy. Today, they call that just smart. It's called it's, efficient. It's, it's, a little efficient. Bit, it's a little bit of lazy, too, to be honest with you. But uh, y'all tractors cost so much. Yeah. Everything costs today. Fuel costs today are one of the biggest concerns. Peanuts are conventional tilled, so there's there's dissing and there's bedding and all sorts of things, and, and you know you do a lot of spraying and you don't have to deal with as much manual labor as some of the fruit and produce guys do, though. That part is true. Uh, we do it, we, everything we do, we do it with a machine, and um, I have really great help. They help me on the farm, and it's experience. The one thing that I kind of regret is that I didn't grow up in peanuts. I started years ago on my own, and I've had to learn everything. I'm still trying to learn things. But if you grow up in peanuts, like growing up in tobacco, you know what you're going to do this day and the next day. And as everything progresses, you know exactly what you're going to do. Gentlemen, we'll pause for two minutes, pick up our conversation in just a moment on Eastern Carolina Farming. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller with Jeff Turner, joined by Vic Swinson, Eastern Carolina peanut farmer. Vic, when you started, you were trucking them and trucking them. And uh, what have you done now? What have you now and Lee done, family for that matter, to take the peanuts further in the value chain? Back in, I'm trying to think, 
I think it was around 2005 or something like that, uh, Jordan Hudson and I, we built a warehouse over in Warsaw. The first year we grew peanuts, we didn't have a contract. We grew them, and uh, at the end of the year, we sold them to Golden Peanut Company. And then we leased our warehouse to Golden. We grew under contract for them. But, but then we, we bought the... Uh, the old National Spinning Building over outside of Warsaw, and we moved into trying to get a few dollars more. We thought about, you know, we're going to process our peanuts. We bought right much equipment, and later on, uh, I bought out a dark part of the equipment. I sold it to Lee. He's moved his operation over to Mount Olive, where the old Southern Bell Cotton Gin was, and that's where his operation is today. Is he at capacity or? Uh... He is not right now, but he is working on it very hard. So Lee, basically, it, he brings peanuts in. And when, when you say process them, you clean them. Do you shell them? Well, he does. He sizes them. He, he gets off jumbos and what they call fancies. And if they're bright enough, he has color sorters that sort out the colors. He puts those in there, and he sells those in shell. And anything that doesn't make the in-shell grade, and then he shells those peanuts. Where do they go after that? Lee has um, a fairly good European market. He's selling some domestically. What is the average yield per acre of, of an acre of peanuts, and, and what would a farmer expect to get for them? Everything depends upon the weather, and I like to base everything – on two tons to the acre, 4,000 pounds. But now a lot of people can grow more than that. And I believe peanuts this year are contracting somewhere 550 to $650 a ton. It's not bad. Of course, there's quite a bit of input we, cost, but... There is, there is. But, you know, we have, we have been very blessed. Um, and like I say, I try to keep my cost down. If you start comparing input cost and the gross at, at, at that number on two tons, that's a better proposition than the average crop of corn would be. Yes, sir. The corn corn is is very iffy. It, it, everything depends totally on getting rain at the right time. So do you think the, the peanut market continues to grow? I mean, with exports and... And domestic consumption, you, do you, is it a, still in a growth mode, you think? If the peanut industry could do something about peanut allergies, the peanut market would boom. I mean, it would take off. But a lot of parents, and rightfully so, are scared for their children to eat peanuts or peanut butter. Um, and, and when I say It'd be a sad day around our... I still get peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on occasion. Let the, that's the standby. I, I like them. <laughs> I love them. I'm a peanut addict. If I had been born with a peanut allergy, I'd be a suffering child. <laughs> no, you'd, be a, you'd probably be a dead one. Yeah, very uh, true. I never heard either. of peanut allergies growing up. Did, I did, did you guys? I didn't either. I know that we'll get cards and letters. I understand that, or in today's world, emails. But the, once it was announced there's such things as a nut allergy, a lot more of them came on. But mm. thank, thank goodness I don't have one, because I do love peanuts and peanut butter. Yep. Vic, you're talking to two men who don't have a great deal of color in their hair. And uh, I think you make a third. <laughs> That's as gentle as I can work my way into 
What is your what's your farm transition plan? Have you got you've got uh, daughter and son both semi active in the operation, right? My hope is that Chris and Katie will take over the farming operation. Lee is full time busy with what he's doing with the peanut processing, and that and that's the way I I, I would love to see it go. As I told my children one time, I said, you know, when when this leaves mine and Teresa's hands, I said it, it's yours. I said. You don't have to live my dream. You can you can do whatever you think is best for yourself, but they don't make any more land. I would bet you that uh, if we were doing an interview with Katie in another 10 years, that she would say, one thing that I was lucky about is I was born into a family that was in the peanut business, unlike what you had said just a few moments ago. Well, Katie loves the peanut business. She's very active in helping Lee getting peanuts overseas than anybody else. Uh, we're a farm family, and we're everybody's involved, everybody's active. Um, you know, that's the way it should be. There's only one. There's only one little issue that I have, and um, every day I wake up, I'm older. That's not a bad thing, you know. <laughs> I love that waking up part. That I love to get up, get out of the house, and you know, see what see what we can do. There is opportunity. Every day of your life that you get up, there's opportunity out there. You've got to go out and look for it. Now, it's not going to come looking for you. You've got to look for it. So what is it that young people today are lacking? Now, you can put me on the spot right there. But I think that everybody needs to have a, a work ethic. I do not care for all these little games that children play today. Moms and dads. And I'm, I'm assuming they're doing the best they can, you know, to keep families going. But I think everybody needs to, to get up and go to work. The, the, the one of the greatest statements that I've ever heard from a president was uh, President Kennedy when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. There is a lack of pride today. I don't want to be one of the biggest farmers in North Carolina, I just want to be with the best. I, I want a good crop, and I want everybody around me to have a good crop. If they make it, you're going to make it. That's that's the way I believe. Vic Swinson is an eastern North Carolina peanut farmer. If you want to taste the fruits of his family's labor, you can head to goldengrove.com. In a minute, I'll have last week's commodity numbers, so stay with me. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Donna Byram of First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. Last week, May corn gained 17.5 cents in the week. Old crop corn futures surged following the USDA's quarterly grain stocks report. May soybeans rallied, gaining 77 and one quarter cents on the week. Soybeans found strength from poor yields and quality issues they're having at the harvest in Argentina. May cotton fell 72 points to 82.78 cents, but gained 458 points on the week. Nearby April live cattle futures ended Friday at 168.35. June futures climbed to 162.12, and that represented a weekly surge of $5.52. May feeder futures closed at 205.25, up 770 on the week. Cash cattle prices finished the week sharply higher than the modest gains the week prior. June lean hogs rose to 91.62.5 for the week. That's a 20 cent gain. 
The last half of the week, the lean hog futures market spent in a pause mode as the bulls tried to recover from a late March downdraft. Close to home, North Carolina's egg prices were lower on all sizes when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, March the 30th for small lot sales delivered. Carton grade A eggs was 354.60 for extra large, 341.72 for large, 294.40 for medium, and 178 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was 13 to 16 and quarter cents higher when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 708 to 740 at the feed mills, 693 to 635 at the elevators through Thursday, March the 30th. Number one yellow soybeans mixed 25 cents lower to eight and three quarter cents higher. They range 1473 and a quarter to 1550 at the processors, mostly 1426 to 1471 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was one and three quarters to 26 and a quarter cents higher and ranged 613 and a half to 692 and a quarter at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants ranged 51010 to 524.90 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery. Corn range 577 to 670. Soybeans range 1253 to 1314. And wheat was 575 to 720. That's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand. Head to ecfarming.com. There you'll also find links to our sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to BNC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. Support the show. Have your supplier call Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.